Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. He knows he's already dead, so he's not going there. When I read that, let us go, and he's saying that to the disciples to solve this problem for him. You knew what I thought about? I thought about uh, Todd Beamer, who said, let's roll. So maybe this is your Bible. You could write at the top of it. Let's roll. Let's go, guys. But I also thought it was interesting because he said, let's go. But he still doesn't leave and get there until he's in verse 17. So he says, let's go. So now it says, the disciples said to him, but Rabbi, teacher, The Jews were just now seeking to stone you. Don't you remember what John wrote about you in John chapter 10? I I know they didn't say it that way, but basically, don't you remember? And you, and you're going there again? And Jesus said, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the light, he stumbles because the light is not in him. That's a very profound passage of Scripture there. Now, we could really open it up about 12 hours and how long this took and how long that took. And I don't have the time to do that, but right now, you might just look at it. There's a portion of our day that we have an opportunity to work, and there's a portion of our day that we're not able to work as much as we really would like to. So we need to do what we can do in the time that we can work. So let me speak to those of you on what he's talking about here. I think he's talking about timing. There's always enough time to do what God calls you to do in waiting on the Lord I want you to know there's always time to do what God calls you. There's not time to waste, but there's time to get it done. Watch this. If you don't have time to get it done, either the problem is with you and me because we mismanaged our time, we lacked the discipline, we got too easily distracted, all right, so we didn't have the time, or we didn't have enough time because it wasn't God's time, it was our time. In other words, we put out there a gallon that we wanted to do. And God says, no, 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 I only wanted a pint. You're trying to put a gallon into a pint, and you can't do that. So you have to ask about it. Is this timing? I need to do what God wants me to do, and there's enough time. But it also says here about staying in God's will, too. I think your greatest danger, well, let me say it differently. I would rather stumble by being in the light than to fall down and be destroyed because I'm fumbling around in the dark. So I'd rather, I would rather know what is the light? What did God reveal to me about my life in Scripture? And what does He call me as my purpose? And I want to live in the light to do what God calls me to do. Now, this would be a good time for us to stop. I'm not, but it would be a good time. Stop. And what you need to do is ponder your life, people. Get out your calendars. Get out your to-do list. Look over your family. Find out what you're doing. Find reasons for what you're doing. And make sure that you were in the light doing this and not just throwing stuff in your calendar because other people do it, because you think that's what should be done. Have you really sought the Lord? Is this something that you should be doing? I, I don't have anybody in mind. I don't have any things you're doing in mind. I'm talking concepts and principles. And perhaps I'm preaching even more to myself and how important that is not to be in the dark. Let's go a little bit further now. This he said after that, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go so that I may awaken him out of sleep. Now remember, he knew that he was dead, all right? Everybody else thought he was um, sick. All right. The disciples then said to him in verse 12, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he'll recover. In other words, let this poor man sleep. He needs, he needs his rest to recover. See, they are all still thinking that he was sick, not dead. Now Jesus has spoken of his death, 
But they thought that he was speaking of his literal sleep. Now let's go back to verse 11. It says that he has fallen asleep. Now some of you that are new to this, that concept of falling asleep was a Jewish concept. You could read it in scripture. Now it doesn't mean soul sleep again, but it does mean that that was used when a person died. They were asleep. Now why would they use that? If you've ever been at a funeral where the person wasn't cremated, now you're looking at the body when he's lying or she's lying in that casket, what does that person look like they're doing when they're in that casket? Everybody? Sleeping, okay, so that's how they get that concept, and there's a whole lot more. So that's why they thought he was asleep. Jesus was speaking about sleeping. But he goes on to say, no, no, I'm not speaking about sleeping. Now, verse 13, now Jesus has spoken of his death, but they thought he was speaking of his sleeping. So Jesus then said to them plainly, guys, 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 Lazarus is dead, all right? So I'm sure right now they're wondering, how in the world do you know that? You know, they just told you that he was sick, brought you a message there. You need to get back there. I was there, I heard the messenger. You're saying he's dead. But Jesus goes on to say, I am glad for your sake that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Now, you might want to underline that. You may believe. I am glad for your sakes. Now, put that into context to you. God is saying, I am glad I'm not answering your prayers yet. I am glad that I'm not giving you what you want yet so that when this happens, you will believe. Now, what to believe, that's going to be between you and the Lord. What you believe ought to be in agreement with Scripture and principles, but it's going to be between you and the Lord. But God is glad to hold things back. He is working. Remember, Jesus went. He knew all about this. He's in control of the whole thing. Nothing got away from him. He didn't say, "Uh uh-oh, what happened? He's all part of this. So again, he's still glad that you may believe. Boy, mark that in your Bible. Everything is to happen to help you and me strengthen our belief. Watch this, watch this. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. So that's why faith is so important. All that's happening is to make you stronger in your faith. Because that's what pleases the Lord. Well, it doesn't stop there. It goes a little further then. So he says, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Verse 16. Therefore, Thomas, who is called Didymus... Now, why is Thomas called Didymus? Well, Thomas is his Hebrew name. Didymus is called his Greek name. So you're around the Gentiles, probably referred to as Didymus, around the Jews. His name is Thomas. Didymus means twins. And he said to his fellow disciples, and by the way, Thomas gets a bad rap because he's doubting Thomas, but look what he says here. Let us also go so that we may die with him. Now, some people say that's a sarcastic response. I don't think it was so much as it was now. He's starting to say, I want to be a part of the action here. Verse 17. So when Jesus came... He found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now, when it found out, it wasn't like he didn't know it till he got there. No, it's found like we found this to be true. Found this to be true. We already knew it, but concluded it's true. So he found him in the tomb four days. Remember what I said before. He probably died right after the messenger left, so it's the day to get to Jesus. Two days Jesus delayed, a day to get back four days. In the tomb, the soul, according to their thinking, is already gone. Other portions of Scripture we'll see next week. They thought he stunk so bad. Verse 18. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. We talked about that. And many of the Jews had come to Mary and Martha, or Martha and Mary, to console them concerning their brother. Let's stop for a moment. When I read that, I got thinking. Go back to this event. It's not a story. This is written by God, and there's so much in it. He knew Lazarus was going to get sick. And even how he got sick, with what he got sick, I don't know. He didn't say, but Jesus knew that. Jesus knew he'd die and he'd take four days to get back there and he'd be dead. These people came to mourn a dead body. And so from an earthly point of view, they were doing what they should be doing. When I give uh, my, my funeral messages, I talk about paying tribute to the person properly. I talk about providing comfort and preparing for eternity in the future. I'm not going to give you that message. But the providing comfort is the mourning that they're going through. I'm thinking now that Jesus is watching them. They all came to mourn this dead body. 
But God allowed that to happen so they all, here it is, here it is, so they could witness one of the greatest miracles that Jesus has ever done. And I say probably the second greatest other than his own resurrection. He did a lot of miracles and they're all important, they're all powerful because he did it. But taking a dead, 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 four days dead, stinketh dead, and bringing him back to life again. These people were thinking, here comes Jesus and he's going to probably get a little pastoral care. They had no idea it was going to happen. That's why they were there. This is a magnanimous story of events. Truth right before our eyes. It's exciting. And then verse 20, So Martha, therefore, when, he heard, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him, but Mary stayed at the house. Again, remember, Mary is the contemplative one. Martha is the busy, 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 busy. So she runs out to Jesus. Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Look in verse 21. Martha says, If you'd been here, my brother would not have died. You need to look up here to verse 32. Mary then says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. So both of them have the same attitude with this. But I'm going to teach you what that means next week. Because both of them are coming at it from a different angle. You have to be here next week to get that. All right, so she said, listen, my brother would not have died if you'd been here. All right, in, in, indicating, I, watch this, watch this. I can believe that you have the power to heal. Not thinking you could have raised him from the dead. All she thought is if you'd have been here, he'd have been alive. She had yet to believe the power that Jesus had and the reason for glory for, her, for him to raise Lazarus from the dead. And maybe some of us are the same way. The Lord, he can do this, but we forget that he also can do that. I believe he could do this, but that's so big. I don't, could he really do that? Yeah, he really can do that as well. Someone who believes in a particular belief system so strongly, their family is entrenched as this thing for centuries. Their whole community believes this. They, believe, they live for this. It's their culture and their belief and their religion. Well, the Lord can bring the gospel to them. Yeah, he can. But the Lord can take them dead in their trespasses and sins and in that environment and resurrect them eternally. That's the power of God. So let's go back to the passage again. So I can see you do this, but he wouldn't have died. Verse 22, even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. So do see the connection to the Lord there in some real special way to God the Father. Now verse 23, and Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he's going to rise again in the resurrection last hour. I already know all of that stuff here. Now, why would she say that? Because the Jews already from the Old Testament knew that they who were Jehovah believing that they would be some kind of a resurrection that would go on in the last day but they had no idea that this would be a born again experience so she was kind of knowing that it would happen and by the way I'll go a bit further she was listening to Jesus probably part of the pack that was listening in the alcoves when Jesus says that he would raise us up again in the last day so she kind of knew that but not taking this dead Lazarus and raising him up that's kind of interesting the power that Jesus had to do that so then what does Jesus say to her? Verse 25, I want you all to look at it. Whatever Bible you have, it's on the bottom of your sheet. I will give you the other blanks. so don't have a heart attack. I'll come back to that in a moment. But verse 25, I want you to look at this. I know that he'll raise again last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection. Stop for a moment. Jesus uses the phrase, I am, seven times in the whole Gospel of John. This is number five if you're counting and you want to put it in your margin. This is number five. I am the bread of life, etc. And he goes on through. Now he says, I am the resurrection and the life. I like that. I'm not only going to rise again from the dead, I'm also one that has life. So it's not just a dead body that rises up and floats. I'm the resurrection and the life. I like to say you come back to life and then you have real life. He who believes in me, 
will live even if he dies. Implying the real you, soul and spirit, will live even if your body dies, if you believe in me. Verse 26. And everyone who lives and believes in me while they're alive, you can't do this when you're dead, so there's no soul sleep, anything that you can do later on after life. That's speaking to a lot of cults out there. Everyone who lives now and believes in me will never die. Circle the word never, because that goes back to last Sunday's message on the eternal security of the believer. If you weren't here, get that message. In me will never die. Yeah, physically will die, but not our soul and spirit. Okay? And now I love this. The last is a four-word question, and it says, do you believe this? Now let's stop for a moment and look up here. I shared this on um, Resurrection Sunday. There's many of you that weren't here then, and so you need to hear this little bit of a story. It's a a true thing. The very first president of the United States was George Washington. George Washington, our commander-in-chief, he was known as a man of faith. I do not believe he was a deist. I don't know that he was a Christian, and there's some debate on that, and you and I can go around Grandma's barn. I really don't know. God knows that, but I do know this. He believed that Jesus Christ was God, and he did believe the significance of Christ and God and Scripture, although he did not have much of an outward faith. So I will use the, re- the reference of a man of faith. Now, you know about the um, George Washington Monument that's in uh, Washington, D.C. Many of you know that there's also another little monument or crypt that he would have in Mount Vernon, which would be his home. Now, when you go there above that, he selected a Bible passage to put there. Now, there are 33,000 Bible verses in Scripture. Out of 33,000, it was selected only two. Now, he could have picked any one he wanted, but he picked these. And I would wonder, and by the way, let me make sure you understand this. I believe he picked these, but I could be wrong because I don't have any documentation that he selected these verses. But I will say, watch this, watch this. A sovereign God allowed the verse to be placed there, probably in keeping with Washington's man of faith image that he had. So they then picked these underneath God picking those verses, put it into the minds of the people to select those two verses. And what did they put over this archway? They put these two verses. Again, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And then the question, do you believe this? So I'm wondering whether the people who had it inscribed or Washington who told them to inscribe that in there, it's still underneath the the sovereignty of God that with that verse there, it wasn't just, oh, look at that, a Bible verse. Oh, look at that great Bible verse about Jesus being the resurrection of life. The reason is those last four words. Do you believe this? And so this is screaming to us. This is truth, whether it's over George Washington's tomb or yours. Now the question is, do you believe this? And Jesus is speaking to Martha, and then it's recorded for millions and millions and millions of people to hear this. And look at her response in verse um, 27. She said to him, I love it, Yes, Lord, I have believed, number one, that you are the Messiah. Number two, that you are the Son of God. Number three, you are he who comes into the world, God in the flesh. In other words, the whole deity, the whole concept. One more story and I'll give you these blanks and we'll go home. I know you, some of you are saying, you didn't get all of this. This last Monday, I was finishing up another memorial and I want to thank the Lord for these opportunities to preach the gospel. M- many guys get stadiums to do it. I do it around grieving people who've lost loved ones of all different shapes, sizes, religions, isms, and spasms. I was doing it over at the Hawaii State Memorial Park up here in Kaneohe. And uh, they were all gathered there. It was that stormy day that we had here, lightning, thunder, and all of that. 
couldn't have a better time for people to listen about God when lightning and thunder are going around, but they're all sitting here in front. And I explained to the husband who lost his wife of over 60 years. Her name was Cookie. And I have permission to share this, by the way, in case you're wondering. And he's seated in the front row, and his mind is a little wobbly right now because he's older, a military, rough and tough, hard to diaper, Navy guy. Loved him to death. He gave even a eulogy about his wife, and usually the, the mates don't do that. And so now I'm going over the story. I just told you this beautiful time at the, at the preparation of the raising of Lazarus from the dead. And I went through this. And at the very end, just like I did with you, do you believe this? And that's all. And I'm getting ready to bring it to a close. He's on the front row from here to where Adam is. And he yells out, I believe this. I do believe this. And the daughter looks up, Daddy, Daddy, be, 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 be quiet. And I said, no, 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 no. Do you believe? I believe this with all of my heart. I believe this. So this guy at his own wife's funeral came to faith in Christ. Now, I do a lot of these funerals. So does Dennis, Pastor Dennis. We rarely get a thank you note after we leave. We get something when we're there. I got a thank you note. No, no, check. It's not about the money. This guy scribbled in his aged writing to express how much that service meant to him. And the beauty of it all, I didn't write it. And even more beautiful than that, I am not the resurrection and the life. He is. The only thing I am is a poor stammering sinner who is willing to go all out to a group of people who might throw rocks at me because they don't want to hear the gospel at a funeral. But you've got to give it. Well, let's kind of bring this to a close by a couple little uh, summations here. Jesus is well aware of the situation at hand. He demonstrated his divine omniscience. Omniscience is uh, an all-knowing God. And uh, it's all in this story. And I'm only halfway through it. His unique relationship to God the Father is the incarnate divine Son. How beautiful. God the Father, God the Son are God together. And then finally, his clear understanding of his mission here on earth is still again to bring glory unto his Father through the salvation of others because he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And he did it not only by dying and being the the sacrifice, but also the one to communicate that message as well as to teach it to his disciples to get that message out. I tell you, what a wonderful event. So how do I put this all into uh, a narrative here, a summation of it? All right, last. He arrives. Martha says, if you've been here, that's his faith in what he could do. If you'd been here, you could have done this. So in other words, I know you're not, you could have done this. So faith in what he could do. Some of us have that faith. We, we have faith in what he could do. I'm not sure he's going to do it. He will arise. I know he will on the last day. That's where she said, I have faith in what the Lord says. You already said he's going to rise the last day. He said that in John 6. So... I know what you can do and I know what you said, so I believe that. But when he finally said, I'm the resurrection and the life, Martha now has the faith when she says that she has faith in who he is. So beloved, however you're listening to this message, it is a message, it is from God's word, but all of God's word demands us to intellectualize it. In other words, you have to understand it in accuracy and correctness, but not to stop there but to allow it to change you from the inside out. You have to do business with this truth. Whether you neglect it now, that's still a decision, by the way. You're still engaging in it because you're going to put it off. But you will engage in it finally, eventually, totally. And so my prayer to you is realize that Jesus has the power 
of death and life over you. And if you would trust in Christ, even though you die, you will live. Do you believe this? And for those of you that already know Christ as Savior, let me just encourage you that waiting on the Lord is tough. I'm a personality style that I like to move fast. I I don't get much sleep. I don't need it. I'm, I'm excited about life most of the time. I don't like to wait. And the hardest thing is for me to wait. And when I find myself not wanting to wait, I throw out the window, perseverance. I throw out the window, long-suffering. All these things that God has, wants to build within my life and yours. So what are you now waiting on the Lord for now? The glory of the Lord is in the time that you have. What is the Lord doing to build you until he wants to give you whatever that might be? And whatever it is, it's still not about Lazarus. It's not about you and me. It's all about the splendor of the Lord. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed. My dear friends, I just pray that you right now would take a moment and shut down out of your mind all the things you want to do to pick this message apart or pick me apart. I want you to think of the depth of this message and what it says about Jesus Christ. And what is he saying to you in your pride? What is he saying to you in your racing to control? What is it saying to you to just sit and rest and wait and trust? Folks that are on the other side of faith and Christianity, you don't need to rush around to do more good deeds to go to heaven. There's nothing more you can do. Jesus did it all. Now what you do, you rest in him. You take him at his word when he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he dies, he will live. Do you believe this? Would you right now in your own heart and mind simply say to the Lord, Lord, I depend upon you as the one who died and rose again, that you are the master of resurrection and life You taught it, you demonstrated it, and now you offer to me resurrection and life. And I'm trusting in you. I believe in you so that when I die, I will still live. Is there anyone today that's ready to say, I do believe this, like my new friend, Michael? I'd like to pray for you. Now, me praying for you won't get you into heaven. You praying won't get you into heaven, but you believing in this, in Christ and what he's done for you, that whole thing. You taking him at his word, that gives you eternal life. And I want to celebrate it with you in prayer. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around, is there anyone that would like to silently let me know this by putting up your hand in a moment? Not right now, but in a moment. When you put that hand up, I'll simply say thank you or God bless you or I see that hand. You will not have to stand up. You will not be coming down the aisle. I will not embarrass you in my prayer. I just want to, Just kind of know that there was someone here today that trusted Jesus Christ as the Lord who died and rose again. The resurrection and the life. So is there anyone that's listening today where the Holy Spirit is now calling you to his forever family? You're placing your faith and you'd like for me to pray for you. Is there anyone? Put up your hand real high so I can see it and put it down. Don't say anything. Just put it up, put it down. Anyone at all. Okay, Christians, how many of you where the Lord was speaking to you that you've been forced into waiting but you've been fighting that weight and today you're ready to say okay Lord I'm not going to fight if you want to be gone one day two days three days four days four months four years forty years Lord I'm on your clock I'm not on some man-made clock 
I just want to be in the center of your perfect will. And at the same time, I want to be content and joyful. And so, Lord, I'm coming to you. I'm allowing you now to be the Lord of my life again. Take over, Lord. And my response is surrender and obedience. Is there anyone here that would like to have prayer because you're at that point now and you'd like for me to celebrate with you that you have made that decision? Same way. Put it up, put it down. Anyone at all. Put your hand up right now. Amen. Amen. Our gracious Heavenly Father, whether or not we put up our hand, we will give an account of what we're doing with our attitude right now and what we're going to do with a message like this. And so, Father, it needs to go from the head to the heart into the hands. And so, Father, we now let you take over and you now live your life out of the resurrected life. Father, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Thank you.